Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Fellowcast. This is another Bring Your Own Bible episode. The introduction is really simple. We are going on in Genesis, and today we kick off in Genesis chapter 12, where Pastor Garth continues with the story and life of Abraham. Enjoy. Yes, we're moving along over here, Valdu. We've just been to the Tower of Babel, and before that, the um, Table of Nations. And the entire story is zooming in on this character, Abraham. And from here on out, it's going to be the story of a family. Mm. Um, he's the first of this family of the Israelites, the man of faith. And it quite simply starts off. I don't know if you've ever found just how simple these statements in scriptures is. It literally just says, The Lord God said to Abraham, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Now imagine yourself in that in that statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Lord God said to Valdu, leave South Africa, if you could at the moment, <laughs> and go to a land that I will show you. Yeah. It's just such a plain statement. Um, so what is that encounter? We do know that um, the name of the Lord said over there is the Lord God Almighty. Mm. So this was actually a revelation of God to Abraham. And we're going to find throughout the story of Abraham and then from here on out other characters like even a Hagar um, and Isaac and um, all of them, that God is revealing himself more. We mustn't lose that fact in Scripture. From the garden, uh, remember we had that conversation of what would we have known about God up until Genesis chapter 3. From there on out in Scripture, God is revealing more and more of himself. Mm. So this is one revelation of God that stirred so much faith in the man that he did leave the place that he was. And remember, um, he's leaving the area of Assyria, close to where Nineveh is, the place called Haran. He crosses over the Euphrates River, and he comes down through um, uh, Syria, Mm. down into the land of Canaan. Uh, but before we get to him leaving and who he took with, which is quite something in itself, the Lord starts off with a blessing over him. And um, it's interesting, often noted, it's a sevenfold blessing. Mm. The Lord says to him, uh, I will make you a great nation. Second thing, I will bless you. Um, I will make your name great. And isn't his name great? Yeah. I mean, um, everybody who knows something about the jewish faith something about the um, islamic faith and something about christian faith knows the name abraham, abraham yeah. yeah he's the name of movies even isn't we it sing that song <laughs> father abraham there we go there has <laughs> many, many sons, sons. <laughs> oh we've got to get to the sun yeah. part just now it's a, it's a story in itself and then the fourth part is you will be a blessing that's a beautiful twist mm. it's one thing for god to say voldu i will bless you it's quite another thing for God to say, Voldu, I will make you a blessing. Mm. Um, and then he says, I will bless those who bless you. And another blessing is, I will curse those who curse you. It's a blessing in itself. Yeah. It says, I'm fighting for you, Abraham. I'm on your part. Mm. And then he says, and all people will be blessed through you. He's furthering it. Not just will you be blessed, not just uh, will people be blessed and you will be a blessing, but all people on the face of the earth from here on out will be blessed through you. And that's just a, a promise that I don't know what Abraham would have thought of. Mm. Eh? 
Yeah, it's incredible. Always think of the fact that uh, we we are related to Abraham because of our faith. Yes. Because of that act of faith is what relates us back to him, and and I think that's how we are blessed. Yeah. Because he's the first example, right? Yeah. Of believing God for something. I just want to throw a quick question in here. Yes, yes. Going back to that very first um, verse that you read, because it's something that that I often ask myself is, you know, it's what you said, God says to him, leave your nation or your native country and go to this place. And he, and he says, he goes. Yeah. And I often wonder, like, why is it so difficult for us to sometimes do what God says? Because here there's no, there can be no um, doubt that it was God speaking to him. Yes. And I think we sometimes get so technical about, is it God? Is it mm. my own? Just a thought. I don't know if, if you've got yeah. some insight on that the, for the because listeners. Because there's no clue for us as to how this conversation took yeah. place. Was it a thought in his head? Yeah. Uh, was it the angel of the Lord standing with him? I, I don't think that because the scriptures are actually very clear about those kind of encounters. But yeah. was it a dream? How did the Lord speak to him? Did the Lord send a prophet to him mm. uh, to come and speak to him? Um but he knows it's God. Yeah. And I think that's the point that you want to make is uh, if we know it's God. Then it should be easy. Y- yeah. You step out on the name God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. And when I say it should be easy, it's not the the working out of it's going to be easy. It's mm-hmm. just the obeying should be easy. Yes. When you know it was him saying, this is what you'll do. So then you go through everything that he went through to get to that different country. Yeah. And it wasn't all easy. Yeah. But you know, when God said it, then He will make a way for yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe another point just to make there is that we know this is going to be a long, long, long journey of faith yeah. um, because He's going to trust on something that um, close to the end of it's going to seem like it's never going to happen. Mm. Um, I'm going to make you a great nation, and He hasn't got children up until yeah. the age of 100. Um, so this is like 30 years of faith on a word. But it's not exactly. The Lord is gracious. Mm. Uh, throughout the story, he's going to come to him again and again, and he's going to renew the promise, uh, and he's going to broaden out the promise. So the conversation and the relationship with the Lord actually continues throughout those uh, that years of waiting yeah. for the promise to come. Mm. And we have to remember that for ourselves as well. Even though it may be a few years before we hear the Lord on a promise again, um, the Lord says, step out into a business, and I step out and, oh, I'm... It's just not happening. Yeah. The prophet's just not turning over. Um, the Lord is gracious to walk with on, with us through mm-hmm. those periods. Mm-hmm. And th- there's going to be a time, I don't know if we'll get into it in this session or the next one, but where Abraham actually says to the Lord, but God, I don't understand. Um, I still don't have a child. How are you going to fulfill this promise to me? Mm-hmm. He's just honestly saying to the Lord, you know, I'm starting to have doubts. Yeah. I really wonder. And the Lord then has this encounter with him to strengthen his faith again. Sure. God is very gracious in that. He, yeah. he didn't, doesn't just put us out on a limb and keeps us hanging. He's in relationship with yeah. us. Yeah. yeah. And it's to keep trusting in that, that time of waiting. Yes. So the faith is in the waiting more than it is in the coming to pass of what you believe for. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much where you, you apply the faith. Yeah, yeah. In comparison, honestly, it's easy for Abraham to leave his home yeah. and to start moving. But to keep in that country yeah. that God says it's yours all those years without it seeing happening, that's the real faith. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. But what a beautiful blessing. Eh? And obviously we know what this points to. All mm. the people will be blessed through you. That's us. Through the Lord Jesus Christ born out of the line of Abraham. And more than that, just this nation that God has placed and the laws that he's given them, the way of living that he's shown them, all of that is a blessing to us because mm. it's a good blessed life that the Lord have taught his people to live. Yeah. Again, just a reminder, we spoke about the table of nations just to link it in. He's staying now in a very dark place. The Lord is sending him into the center of a very dark place on the face of the earth at that time. Yeah. And he's going to be the light. His nation is going to be the light in the midst of this. The Lord has a plan, not just for giving him the land. Remember, the story is not just about blessing Abraham and his family. Mm. He's going to be a blessing on the face of the earth. The Lord is, has a strategy here to put him in a particular place to shine his light sure. through those people. Yeah. Well, he then leaves, and it says he takes his wife, Sarah, or Sarah he, and um, then he also takes Lot with him. Mm. Now, Lot is his cousin. cousin. Um, no, nephew. Lot's his nephew. I always get it wrong. Us uh, as Afrikaans people struggle yeah, with this. <laughs> your nephew and your nephew <laughs> right. uh, is your cousin. Um, it's his brother Haran's son. Oh, Remember, yes. Haran passed away. Um, so it's his nephew that he takes with him. And a, th a question I always throw out here is, is he being obedient to the Lord's command? The Lord says, leave your family, your people, and go. Um, obviously, he must take his wife because the husband and wife becomes one. Yeah. So where he goes, she goes in the other way. Um, but I do think it's disobedience to take Lot along. It's an extended family. It's an extended family, yeah. yeah. And we'll see family. just now in the story, I mean, it's very quickly... Um, we see Lot becomes a big part of the story, but every time he features in the story, he becomes a problem, actually, to Abraham, mm -hmm. um, a, a bit of a liability. So there they go, and they come into the land. Uh, they settle at a place called Shechem, which is roundabout in the middle of the land, Canaan. Um, and there the Lord appeared to him again. And he says to him, to your offspring, I will give this land. What a promise. Mm. That's very different from go to a plant that I will show you. Now he, he's in a place. It's an inhabited place. And it's a powerful people that stay there. Later we'll see, oh, it's giants that live in this land. Um, it's a very godless people that stay there. But it's built cities uh, with walls like Jericho and Ai. All of those places are there already. And the Lord says, right here where you're standing, this place, it's yours. I'm giving it to you. Wow. <laughs> And uh, it's not yet. Yes, it's not. He has absolutely no power to take yeah. hold of it. And he's got nobody to populate it. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah, his wife's barren and he's old. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have any descendants. Oh. And the Lord says, your people, your children will inhabit this land. Yeah, incredible. How, how incredible the statement of that. But he acts in faith again. Right on that spot where the Lord appears to him, he builds an altar. It's like a monument saying, Lord, here I worship you mm. as a memorial that you said this to me. Mm. Um, so he continues to walk in faith. From there he moved on, and then he goes to a place that he will regularly get back to, uh, between Bethel and Ai. Now, Ai, we know from the story um, in uh, Joshua. It's the second city that they fought against, um, and the first battle that they lost, actually, the first time around. 
between that and Bethel, we know is going to be the place it gets its name from that meeting that God will have with um, Abraham's grandson, Jacob, Jacob, where that ladder from heaven appeared. Mm. Uh, but again, it's Moses telling the story. So he's giving names that later these people will know, okay, okay, we know yes. where it's going yes. to. And again, he built an altar there and he worshipped the Lord in that place where he stayed. Um, those statements are very key because it's saying he's going into a place that the Lord gives him and what's his response every time where he settled down, he worships, where he mm -hmm. has an encounter with the Lord, he worships, he builds altars, worshiping the true God in this place where idols are, yeah. are worshipped. Sure. Yeah. And then a very interesting thing, just before we get to chapter 13, um, there's a famine in the land, Canaan. And I say it's interesting because uh, Abram's response is he goes to Egypt because there's not a famine in Egypt. Um, and before we go into what's going to happen there, I just want to mention that from here on out, we're going to see in every generation there is a famine. In Abram's generation, there is now, and he's going to go to Egypt. Um, in Isaac's generation, again, there's going to be a famine, and again, he's going to go to Egypt. And in Jacob's generation, with the whole story of Joseph, he's sold as a slave. He goes to Egypt. There's a, there's a great famine. And for the first time, the famine doesn't just hit Canaan. It also hits Egypt. Mm. Um, so three generations. It, that's quite significant. Yeah. And what I want to point to is when God later on says in the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus, when he makes that promise, he says, if you walk in obedience to me, what's the response? The land will be blessed. Mm. I will give your rain in season. Your flocks will be fruitful. Your feed fields will br um, produce. Um, but then he says, if you disobedient, if you do not obey me, there's going to be a curse on the land. Uh, we spoke about it. I remember now when we spoke about um, uh, Abel and Cain, Cain uh, when it says, now uh, the earth has received the blood of mm. your brother, and therefore it will no longer produce for you. Yeah. Um, so what is happening in Canaan that these constant famines hit them every few years? There's a famine again. Eh? Yeah. Must be sin. Must be sin. <laughs> the people are not walking in obedience to God yeah. and therefore the land is not yielding and yet the Lord says to them I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey yeah. the very same really land that's got go. this constant famines he's saying you're going to stay there and it's going to be the land of milk and mm. honey wow. it's going to be a land of overflow and I think that speaks to that God almighty statement again right in the beginning where God is in charge over the elements yes. and, and the, the blessing and the fruitfulness of the land yeah. So he is almighty to say that even in a famine, that's mm. going to be a land of milk and honey. Yes. Which on the, uh, the to the naked eye, it, it seems impossible. Yeah. In that season, it seems like, oh, how could that ever be? Mm. But if you got, uh, he's God almighty, he can turn it around. Yes. In twinkling of an eye. Yeah. Yeah. The abundance and blessing comes not from the place where you stay, yeah. but with who do you stay in that sure. place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably why those moments where he sets up altars and worships yeah. God is almost like he's taking that ground, so to speak, or like we would say, yes. he's, he's dedicating it to, to God. Yeah. We're gonna, later on, we're going to read it actually as much that he will say like Joshua, he says, go walk through the land because I've given it to you. Yeah. There is a physical taking hold of. Yeah. Yeah. 
So he goes off to Egypt, and then for the first time, we're going to read, oh, this great man of faith is walking into fear. Because as he comes into Egypt, he says to his wife, Sarah, please, if anybody asks over here, just, just for my sake, say that you're my sister and not my wife. Mm. Uh, because you're a very beautiful woman, and um, lest they see you and kill me because they want you. Mm. And she gives in to the plan, and sure enough, uh, Pharaoh's officials notice her, see how beautiful she is, and um, they speak of her to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh takes her into his house as his wife. And um, don't know exactly how long, but it must have been quite a while, because then it says... Uh, Abraham prospered in the land. He acquired many animals and all of that. And he was actually blessed because of Sarah. Yeah. Because he's related to her and Pharaoh has her in the palace. So it turns out, looks like a blessing to him. He's becoming wealthy. But because of Sarah, then it says, the Lord um, uh, brought terrible pestilence and plague on Pharaoh's house. Mm. So it was long enough for them to recognize, yes, like, there's illness in the family. Um, my wives are not bearing children. Yeah. Stuff is going wrong over here. What's mm. happening? And then uh, they wise enough to put two and two together to say, oh, it's since this woman came in here. Sure. Um, and then Pharaoh goes, we don't know exactly how it was revealed to him. Later with Abimelech, we know how it's revealed in a dream. But to him, we don't know. But he goes straight to Abraham and he says, why did you deceive me? Mm. Why did you say it's your sister while it's actually your wife? Um, and then he says, well, I came into a foreign place and I was scared. So th- it's just good to note, Abraham is not superhuman. Yeah. It's not like he's some other kind of species that supernaturally had this great faith in God. He's a human like us. Mm. And just like he had his great moments of faith with God, he also had his great failures. And this is a really great failure. Um, and I just want to, for many of us that may know this story, think again, what does it mean in this relationship, a husband and a wife, that the husband is willing to give up the wife mm. in a foreign place to this foreign man who does not worship God? Um, and he might be the king of the land. Sure, you think, oh, I'm going to stay in the palace. But man, it breaks relationship. Yeah. And then she's given back to him as wife again, and they leave. They have to leave the place. Pharaoh says, get out of this place. He gives his officials command and says, make sure this man leaves. Mm. Um, Suddenly, this man that they had great favor with, they have to move off again. Um, It's real hurt in a family. Real trust is broken. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. Uh, Just listening to it again now, it seems crazy (laughs) (laughs) that you would give your wife um, because of fear, first of all. Absolutely. But then, then obviously, again, I think that's a, that's a moment where you stop trusting trusting God, really, yes. where you're making a plan. Yeah. And it's not a judgment on Abraham. I mean, it's easy for ah, us to read it absolutely. and say, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that. But but you can uh, you can kind of think of it now and say, well, that really must have been a, a different kind of fear, so yes. to speak, that, that gripped him to be able to say, I'm giving my wife away just so that I can survive or... Yeah, it's it's strange. Yeah. And listen, we're going to see it again. It's yeah. going to happen again with him, with the Philistines, with Abimelech. And again in the next generation with Isaac, exactly the same thing mm. with the Philistine. He does the same with his wife. Um, so this is what I would say. is This is a generational curse. Yeah. 
But what is the curse aimed at? God's promise was, you will bear a child. And they haven't got any children. Mm. And what's the thing that the enemy comes after? They give your wife away. Mm. <laughs> sure. Okay, so how will God's promise be fulfilled then? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So it's very aimed. The enemy is not just taking a, a weak point. He's coming to a weak point that will actually destroy a plan that God has for Abraham's life. Yeah. And the same is true for us as well. That um, when fear rises up, have the wisdom to step back and say, God, why? Hmm. Why is it coming up? What's the weak point over here? What am I going to lose yeah. if I actually walk in fear? Yeah. Because very often it's the very thing that God calls us to do. Oh, amen. It's a good indicator of yeah. what, what's about to happen or what he wants to use you for. Yeah. Can we say the enemy is not random? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which brings us then to chapter 13. Um, and... Here's the first story then that just shows me something about Lot coming along wasn't the greatest idea, <laughs> you know. So Abram and Lot, both of them, are now flourishing. They leave Egypt with wealth, just like the family of Abram later when they come out after the 400 years in Egypt. They're mm. going to leave with the wealth of Egypt. Here already this man comes out and he's incredibly wealthy to the point that um, Abram and his cousin uh, have a bit of a a rough up with one another. You know, the shepherds are saying, there's not enough space for us. And we're starting to fight over the wells and over the green pastures. Um, so Abraham takes him with him up into up to a hill. And as they're standing up there, he says to Lot, listen, look, let, let's separate paths. We've got just too much. Let um, you go your way, I go my way. Pick, pick a side and I will go the other side. Sure. Now, this is risky because God already said to Abraham, that's your land, yeah. the land of Canaan. Um, so what if Lot said? I'll take that part. Yeah, that's <laughs> mine. What would he say? Say, yeah. no, God says it's mine. Or he's going to have to come and, what, wipe out his cousin's descendants later mm. to take the land. Uh, it's a risky moment. Uh but by God's grace, Lot actually looked down to what is now the Jordan Rift Valley. And it's one of those strange things in Scripture that at the moment that Lot looked at it, uh, the Scripture said it looked to him like the Garden of Eden. So it's a lush land. The river is flowing down from there all the way into the Persian Gulf. Um, and he says, that's my spot. Mm. I want that piece. So he goes down there. But then he settles close to two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, and eventually settles inside the city called Sodom, um, which speaks to something about Lot's character. I mean, he's a wealthy farmer. He could have, just like an Abraham, have pitched his tents and stayed out in the field. Uh, but he chose to stay in the comfort of a city among an incredibly, incredibly sinful people, which then leads us to that whole story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, but at that time, on the hill, God then also speaks to Abraham. When Lot now moved down, he said to him, All right, look now to the territory that's yours. And again, God renews the promise. Remember now, it's been a couple of years. He moved into Egypt, away from the land that the Lord has given him. Because of the quarrel over there, he moved back into the land that the Lord has given him. And now on this hill, God reminds him. He says, Look, um, he says, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south and east and west. All the land 
that you see I will give to you and your offspring. Chapter 13, it's verse 16. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. And there that statement that I mentioned earlier. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents and went to live near the trees of Mamre at Hebron, where again he built an altar to the Lord. Mm. There's this whole statement of, listen, move around. This is yours. Eh? It sounds a lot like that Joshua. Yeah. Every place you put your feet, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I think it brings us to the end of this session. Then we're going to get to uh, the first battle that Abraham fought. And it's something interesting. He fights the battle with 318 men against three kings. It sounds a lot like Gideon's 300 men. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. almost exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Garth. So we'll jump into chapter 14 then next time. Yep. Thanks again for um, sharing with us and maybe just kind of an ending off. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but just listening to what you've said about Abraham and, and going to like this whole journey of going, this is what God said. And then he goes one direction and then he heads back there again. And then he goes another one. How how can we, what can we take from that in our personal walks with God in with regards to the, the vision over our lives and the words that he's spoken over our lives? I don't know if the, you've got a challenge in that for us. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think every one of us in relationship with God um, have to go back and just listen. It's, it's a good time to be quiet, quiet our hearts. You spoke about um, vision. Um, is it two, three Sundays ago? Mm. To quiet our hearts and go back and say, what has the Lord actually said to me? What promises has he given back? And have the faith to ask God if you don't remember. To literally ask him, Lord, please remind me of your promises in my life. Mm. Um, and then take stock and say, all right, so where am I now? Have I forgotten about those dreams and th that the Lord has given me, those promises? Um, or am I actually walking in faith towards them, still trusting them? Um, maybe say, listen, have I had some hurt in my life that caused me to steer away from it? Like this famine, yeah. you know, had some tough times, been burnt a bit and then gave up on it. Yeah. And have the faith like an Abraham to say, no, I'll come back to it. Mm. I still trust you, Lord. It's so many years later, but I still trust you. Uh, you don't, you never lie. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Garth. There you have it. So until our next session, uh, when we get into Genesis chapter 14.